and welcome to Healing in the After Loss. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting this show with Benjamin Allen, my friend, a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. And I introduced it last time that way, and I liked it so much I, I decided to say it again. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, how are you doing, Deborah? I'm good. Do you feel brilliant, gifted, and amazing today? Yeah, I'm just looking over my shoulder to see who you were talking about. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, a, that's a lovely, lovely introduction. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, absolutely, and I, I mean every word of it. I do. I mean every word of it. So let's set the frame today by first defining again what is the after loss, because that is not a common um, common in the vernacular. So what, um, what do you mean by the after loss? The after loss to me is uh, the easiest way to describe it is those that we love, we often talk about going into the afterlife. And I didn't have a phrase or an understanding or a paradigm that worked for me when their deaths took them from me, where was I to go? What state was I in? Because I was no longer in the state of where we were before, and I'm not in the afterlife. I found that what worked for me is uh, the term after loss. It is a state of being uh, in deep grief and in deep loss, but moving through this loss in a whole different uh, framework than what was before and what will come. So you said a state of being. Is it fair to say it's also a state of mind, or is that different? Well, for me, uh, mind is part of being. It's a state of the heart. It's a state of the mind. It's a a state of of presence and an an existence and a relationship to life. After loss is really how I relate to life now and the structure that is before me and within me. Uh, it's a different world. Time shifts. You know, the grief grief becomes this this whole sense of, of a different rhythm of life that happens. It's not the same pace as the world I once lived in, uh, and it's certainly not the same perspective. So it is it is a state of all of me. It's a, it's a really a, it's not just the mind. It's the heart. It's the like I said, presence of everything that I go through. And it especially happens when I use the term after loss. It is when I am in this state of deep reflection and of going through out of the emotional state, the, the mental state, whatever, whatever I'm going through in relation to the ones that I love that, that have passed as well as in relation to the life I now live. It's both. It really is a... It's, it's an in-between world now when, when grief happens. So is it fair to say that you don't really ever leave the after loss, that you embrace it, you lean into that space and incorporate it into your life in a different way? Because you said what is is so different from what was, right? So does right. that make sense? You don't really oh, leave yeah. the after loss. You never, no, in other words, no. you never really go anywhere. It's like okay, I I keep referring to 
what we're doing as coming to a place of peace and healing because that's the way that I can hold that thought. But that that infers coming and going. Tell me about that. Yeah, for me it's the the after loss I I that agree, that's how it is for me. It doesn't it doesn't end. What it gets it, it deepens. And so I don't look at grief as being linear or my healing as being linear. I see it uh, as one of the things I, I use the term a lot, the multi-layers of loss, is that this is where I go into those different layers of loss. And so it's not an, it's not, there's not an end point to my loss because loss is incorporated into all of me. The, the ones that I love, I will always love. I, I will always be a part of, and they will always be a part of me. And grief work is the, is the integration of that loss and love into a new life and into a new way of relating to the ones I will always love. So there, is, there isn't an ending. And when you talk about healing being what is healing, what is peace, peace is not the end product for me of my grief work. Peace is a crucial element of my grieving. Healing is a crucial element of my grieving. It is not the destination. It is the journey. And I find my peace as I lean into my sorrow, lean into my loss, and and it is within that I can hurt in, in, in a peaceful state of accepting this hurt. You know, so many people want to push away hurt, fix it, make it better, I heard somebody wrote just the other day to me, or just today actually, and it said people are telling me that I need to get it will get better, and I responded. In my experience, it's not that it gets better; it gets different, and so I'm not looking for something to get rid of what I feel. I am looking for tools. I am, and my after loss, it is it is to embrace the tools. They can help me go deeper into what I'm feeling, not not to get rid of feelings. Well, my experience of being human is much more linear. In mm-hmm. other words, I like things to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And mm-hmm. when I think something is about to be bad, I want it to be bad quickly, and I want to have slept through it, and I want it to be <laughs> the next day. <laughs> which is very yeah. rare. I mean, it's like, you know, I want to control time. I want to say, oh, that's, that's going to be really bad, and I need, to, I need for it to be like a week from now. And I have said this for decades. I have lived my entire life probably trying to be past some bad stuff and into good stuff, and it doesn't really work that way, does it? No. No, it, it hasn't for me. And, you know, even though you say, you know, I haven't done it, it something's worked for you. And, and the, my first reaction is everybody grieves differently. And everybody deals with loss in their own unique way because their life is unique. And we, we deal with loss how we deal with life. It's not separate. It's not something that, okay, my wife and children died, so that's put over in this compartment. You know, I, I work over in this compartment. I have 
friends over in this compartment. I have I have never been able to compartmentalize my life. And so in my experience, this, that's how I live life is, and that's how I live loss. Everybody has a different way. And there are some people that, that want to live in that linear and, and find it, that, that it works for them. My, my encouragement to them is to continue on. Do what is natural to you. But as for me, it has never worked. And mm-hmm. it isn't about, you know, moving on. It's about moving in and moving through our sorrow. And uh, that's the way I, I couldn't get around it. I couldn't find I, – I have yet to find an end point. So I finally said, you know, there is no end point. In fact, you know, in the book I, I, I wrote about, I kept saying, I just need to turn the corner. I just need to turn the corner. And for years I was looking for that corner to turn where it would get better not different, but better. And I realized, for me, it, there just aren't any corners. That, that, And I had to start finding a new way of relating to my life, to my loss, to my love. And I found it to be in this paradigm of the layers and moving deeper into this this relationship to life that is very different from what I had before. Well, it sounds like that moving and embracing and so forth is more flow than trying to step over things and gain control. Um, And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think people need permission just to be. and 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 one of my favorite phrases is you can't push the river. And I just couldn't. I couldn't create a way to not go with the current. One, I didn't have the energy. One of the things that happens in loss, it just took every ounce of my energy and and left me with just a, a modicum of who I was. You know, I could just make it through the day, and I didn't have the fight to fight. And so what what I found for me is that I just needed to lean into whatever I needed Whatever I was experiencing, I just had to lean into it and just say, okay, what's here? And in that not fighting, I found the current of life moving me through all of these emotions and all these feelings and all of the, all of the, the whole old paradigms that I had. They just crumbled. And, and I said, you know, the things that worked before I experienced loss and entered the after loss did not work anymore. And what I find that is frustrating for people in grief is they're looking for those things to work again and to go back to the way it was, and there is no was. You know, there there, there is no going back. And, you know, I've heard people say and. and talking to people in deep grief is, you know, it's two step forwards and one step back kind of thing. And I've never felt that. I just feel like there's no back, there's no forwards. There's only within. And and wherever I am, you know, it's like, oh, I thought I was over that, that, you know, pick up a, a, a card that my wife wrote and I start crying, you know, that, you know and, and deeply moved. That doesn't mean 
that I, it's a step back. That's a step in. That That's okay. It's okay to feel, whether it's five minutes from her death or, you know, five years or 15 years or whatever it is. It's okay to feel. Well, I agree with that. And I, I also picked up on something that fit one of my paradigms of life or philosophies or whatever, and that is that there is so much power in surrender. And when you're talking about you can't push the river, but if you, you know, if you're in a raging river, and I, I'm going to say this even though I cannot swim, but I think if I were in a, a raging river, I would just know that to just lie down on, you know, go onto my back and just try to float <laughs> and do yeah. the best I can, I think, I think I would survive. I, I would I would really try really hard because <laughs> I don't swim. <laughs> but you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that but that power in surrender and and remembering that this is really what I feel, and um, and just fight for life. I think is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that I think that's true in life in general. Is that when when it's so overwhelming, and that's what loss does. Losing someone we love. It, it, it was the most difficult thing I've ever gone through. And in that, it's, it's like the raging river. And it's like that I just had to let go and let it take me where it was going to take me. What, what the, the difficulty is that I experienced was trusting that it would take me someplace that was not going to hurt me more than I already hurt. Right. And I... You know, that's where, you know, leaning into it, people think, oh, if I lean into this hurt, I'm going to hurt more. And sometimes that happened to me. Sometimes it hurt more. But one of my big, big parts of uh, of philosophy or part of my paradigm is that everything will ultimately, if I surrender and go into this, it will lead me to healing. If I just keep going, that's why I talk about moving through something instead of, you know, trying to, you know, push it away, lean into it, move through it. And I truly have found that whatever I go through, no matter how uh, incapacitating it is, no matter how painful it is, ultimately in the moving through it, I come to a place of healing. I get that. I I think I was actually kind of going inward there when you were talking about that and, and thinking about some of the loss that I have experienced in time in times uh, past and um, mm-hmm. and I feel the same way and I think um, I know some people who went for fifty years of their lives without probably feeling a significant loss. I'm guessing. And when mm-hmm. when it hits after 50 years, I'm just wondering if it's harder to to trust that you'll get to the other side. Um, I think what I'm trying to say is there are people that have had lots of loss, you know, small losses along the way, or let's call them small losses. That's kind of silly, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, like animals, um, friends, moving, you know, all kinds of stuff. It doesn't seem earth-shattering like losing a loved one. 
all of a sudden you're 50 years old and you have a big loss. Is that harder, or does it? It just isn't really maybe something to quantify. You know, that's a, it, it, it's an interesting question. I, I've never heard that one before. But what I I would say that that initial loss, whether whatever age, and it depends on the 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 closeness to the epicenter of one's being. You know, like that. Ten, you know, the loss of 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 my son was enormous because we were heart to heart and we were so, so very close. You know, the loss of, of, of one of my pets, we were very close. It was close to the center of my heart. And the, the loss, I've, I've lost jobs, and they weren't that close to my heart. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but it was still lost. It was still something that, and so, like I, like I said that earlier, is that, that uh, what we go through in life, how we deal with life is how we deal with loss. And all of those things of questioning and all those, the, the magnitude of the loss doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to equate with what was lost. You know, I like a friend could be, I had my best friend of, of all times for many, many, many years died suddenly the day before we were going to have coffee. And, you know, I still grieve him and I still miss him. And, and in fact, <clears throat> when I went back to uh, the Bay Area where my uh, where Lydia and I lived and where Matt was born and then where I ultimately spread the ashes of Lydia, Matt, and Brian, I went by my friend's house and uh, I just sat in front of it, and I felt more emotion around that than I did going to where I spread the ashes, although I, you know, I make my rounds when I go down there to touch all these places because when I touch something, it's a part of my healing. And I have been down to um, through the memories of my wife and children for many, many years, and I have found a place of peace there, but I, I was surprised. I still hadn't found a place of peace completely with Alan's death, and that was about three years ago. And I sat in front of his house. Somebody else lives there. It's a whole different deal. And just missing him. And, you know, so it's how I deal with loss. And whether it, it's not about, to me, I, I don't equate, losses in degrees or in in that and this is a minor one or this is a major one loss is loss because what's really happening for me is that i'm not just feeling the loss of someone i am feeling the loss of me something when i lose that kind of love a part of me is gone and and it goes with the one that I love, and, and part of them stays with me, and stays their love becomes a part of me. But in that, that I have to really examine loss in and of itself, because uh, I'm losing a part of me, when, when, and, and a part of my expression of love. And so, it is not uh, just the person or the event or the situation that is lost, it is a part of me that's lost within the person, the situation or event. So that's going back to the layers. That's right. going back to all the, the layers of loss. Yes. 
because right. it's not just the the physical time stamp on the date that it happened, whoever it is that has left this world or the situation that has changed. Um, it's, it's not just the, the time and day. It is the, the feelings and the sorting inside ourselves to figure out how am I going to manage these these things I'm thinking and feeling, right? So that's part of the layers. Right, right, yeah, and that, that's definitely a part of the layers, and that's why I use the term after loss because that's a different world. Time is not the same in the after loss as it is on, on the time before or as I wander around, you know, the day and people are, you know, they're in, it's, a, it's a different time zone. You know, it's just it, it just because it touches so much that it's timeless. And there's so many emotions. I could sit and look at a card uh, from Lydia and, and just be gone. It feels like it's days and it's just been seconds. You know, I could, I could, you know, walk into a memory of Matt and just it's not, the same time zone as the world around me. I could be sitting in a cafe and a memory comes and, you know, everybody's going in, in their regular motion. I feel like I'm in slow motion. I feel like I'm just in a whole different pace and rhythm. And, uh, and, that, would, and that really is going into the layers. Whenever I come into something that hurts, I stop in that stillness and just let it hurt and let the hurt take me to wherever it needs to go. So many people think, oh, you hurt, let's fix it. I have not found that, that trying to fix my grief works. It does, trying to fix it does not fix it. You know, living with it. And that's what you were talking about earlier, that is there a destination point? <clears throat> is there an end point? Uh, no, for me, I will be ever unfolding this relationship with loss and with the ones that I love forever. You know, that, that this, this is just part of my being. And it's okay. You know, I, there's, I don't look for endpoints, and I don't look to, to, to be better. I just accept that, oh, this is different. This is, this is new. You know, this is, this, oh, this is familiar. You know, it, it's just, I don't understand that whole idea of moving on or getting over it. Uh, it just doesn't fit for me. Well, I understand that. So, so that's the, the not linear piece that I think is important probably for me to incorporate uh, and think about um, you know, as we reflect on this, this show later. <laughs> uh, because I do. Uh, I, 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 I listened to our last show, which I will invite people to do, if they didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, it was quite remarkable. And I'm not just saying it because I think so much of you and I'm kind of cool myself. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah, but it was really, no, <laughs> no, but it was really good. And, um, I shared the, the link with a friend of mine whose wife has gone to England to, um, deal with the fact that her father has passed away and the mother, her mother is, is having, you know, to, to deal with a new life and uh, mm-hmm. and missing him and all that. So um, he asked me if he could listen to the show because I was telling him about it, and he he wrote uh, wrote back to me and said, "Oh my goodness, how helpful and how sweet." 
So I do hope that people will pick up on that last one. Um, before we go on to another topic, which I would like to cover, and that is um, preparatory grief, which, you know, when we're talking about being in flow, you know, it's kind of almost counterintuitive. How do you prepare to get into flow? But I think you can help me with that one. But before we do that, um, I want to remind people of your website, which is theafterloss.com. And your book, which I love, is called Out of the Ashes, Healing in the Afterloss. And it is so beautiful. It is such a wonderful story. It is a, um, a true testament to love and legacy, your family, the way you write about them and the whole situation that occurred and, and how you came to find Rachel, your beautiful wife and friend, my friend. Um, it's just great. So I hope people will go to the website, <clears throat> theafterloss.com, and click on the button to buy the book because um, it is one of a kind. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So you want to talk about preparatory grief? I do. So <laughs> okay. I do. So tell me what that is because my way of embracing, haha, <laughs> that's probably not the right word, uh, preparatory grief is to avoid. <laughs> so I don't think that's your answer. Yeah, no, that, that's not my answer. And just to let uh, your audience or the audience know that the the idea of uh, where, why I speak and can speak about preparatory grief is that they may not know that, that the, the progression of the loss of life and my family uh, was that we received word in 1985 that all three of uh, my family, my wife and two children, were HIV positive. And this was, uh, Matt Matt was at that point just a little less than three years old, and uh, our youngest child had just been born, and he was five months old when we got the call and so in speaking of preparatory grief, Brian, our youngest, lived to uh, three and a half more months. He died at eight and a half months old. And then Matt, uh, Livia, actually died next uh, in 1992. So, and uh, then Matt died in 1995. And so uh, we lived a long time and preparatory grief. We lived in uh, and in stages and in different relationships. And so, preparatory grief for me is is a is something that I have I had to address. There was no running from it. It was like this hurts. This loss was a daily loss. It was not just waiting for the ultimate loss of when I could not touch them anymore. It was what was being taken on a daily basis, the deterioration of their lives before me, the moving into the caregiving mode of, of how do I care for the ones when, when they couldn't uh, do for themselves and, and how do I address that. So that's some of the background of what I, what I will say about preparatory grief is that, that it comes in, again, so many, so many layers. And, and it depends on the situation. With Brian, 
it, we were in triage from the very beginning. We were in overwhelm. We were in just a, a state of emergency, trying to help him through his last months of life. And it was 24 hours of care. Uh, he uh, he just he never could crawl. He never could hold his head up. The doctors called it failure to thrive. And we, you know, he had a central line and we had a lot of medical equipment and he was in a lot of pain and there was, and then all the while trying to take care of Matt and Lydia at the same time. So the preparatory grief with Brian was different than with Lydia where we had more time. She was an adult. We could walk that journey together and converse on a different level. With Matt in the preparatory grief, he died a month after his 13th birthday, but we led preparatory grief with him for 10 years and in a relationship with, the, with our child. So uh, 10 years because we knew when he was three that, that they were all terminal. So like I said, they're all different. And with Brian, it was just going into the moment. I think Brian taught me how to do preparatory grief with Lydia and Matt. Because uh, you're thrown in the deep end and, and you're, you're, you're taught to swim in, in a raging current in the deep end. And that's what was happening us with Brian. And uh, what I found is that I had to find a piece of time and space just to be that I needed reprieve, I needed on a daily basis to step back and to feel the sorrow, to feel the grief. Because when you're on, you're on. And, and you just do what you need to do when it needs to get done. And, you go, and what I went through was just being on remote control, you know, suspending of feelings to clean the central line, to hold and in and his agony and to, to, to be present, to change diapers, those kind of things that you just do. But there were times when the preparatory grief, I was with Brian, and I could hold him in a way of, of pure love and just rock him as he cried in pain and just be there. And as, as he was losing his life and we were losing each other, there I could deal with the preparatory loss that someday I will not hold him and that this was the day I had. This was the moment I had. And I didn't want to miss it. Right. You, know, you, just, you just don't want to miss it. So preparatory grief is not preparing. One of the things that I say a lot and I live to the best of my ability is the best way to prepare for the next moment is to live fully in this one. So I had to find a way with all the compartments and all the layers and all the, it's like, you know, trying to have, you know, have a cup of tea in a, in a hurricane. You know, it's just like, it's just, how do I put together this in this moment all of me to be present for him? Because really preparatory grief is being able to grieve now. It's being able to grieve in this moment and, and suspend the next moment. 
you know, I cannot prepare, like you said, you can't prepare for, for, for loss. And, and no matter how much I went into being present in this moment now, when he died, there was no preparation for that. I mean, I was prepared to the best of my ability because to the best of my ability, I was in every moment up to that moment. So that was, that was just really a life under siege. When we had more breathing space with Lydia, Lydia lived uh, ten, 10 years with her infection, and we knew for seven of those years. And so and the, the whole moving through the sorrow together, that's a different texture to, to preparatory grief. And, you know, and that's grieving in the little things. Again, it's being present in the moment. But I remember early on before there was some medication that helped extend her life that uh, a time when I would have to carry her upstairs because she didn't have the energy to walk up the stairs. And, uh, you know, you grieve that. You grieve the little things. You grieve the the times when 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 she is grieving. You know, you, when when I walk in and she was in tears. You know, there's there's so many different types of sorrow that go into a relationship, and there's so many different types of life and different types of love that go into a relationship. So Lydia and I had to stay current. Again, if there's one thing I can say about preparatory grief. The best way to prepare for the next moment is to live fully in this one. And that, and so I had to stay current with my grief. I needed, for me, time at night, whenever one had gone to bed, just to sit and feel without, without any, um, any connection to the others by their being in the room or me needing to do a task for a mat or whatever. I just needed to feel and and to get current and to be in this moment so I could be in every moment. It took time. I needed a reprieve. So, and then when, of course, Lydia died and Matt was in his grief and his sorrow for losing his mother, losing his brother, and knowing he was going to lose his own life, that kind of grief, I had to hold a space so he could grieve. And which really was a challenge because I could not fully grieve in that space because he needed the space. It wasn't about me. It was about him. It was about holding a loving presence so he could feel whatever he needed to feel. When it was my turn, when it was my and my solitude and my silence and, and my aloneness, that's where I had to have presence hold me. And, and to feel it. But it, it takes a lot of intentionality to, and you just can't, I couldn't brace myself. That's the worst thing to do. You know, they say in a car accident that, you know, it's best you don't see the car coming because you're not braced, and that's where you get hurt. And that's where, for me, I, I found that when I brace myself for the next moment, I missed this one, and it hurt more. Does that make sense? It does. And, of course, as I always do when I'm talking to you, I've taken four pages of notes. I don't know why. I just I start 
<laughs> you start talking and I start writing, and I, I I am almost overwhelmed by my own thoughts and and um, you know I have the advantage, of course, of having read the book more than once, and yeah. I know about. Frankly, I know about Alan, and I know about um, I know about Lydia, and I know about the things that you did to make her life, I want to say, easier. Um, I don't know. I, I just think you're such a special person, and for you to have shared the way you did in the book, and then to keep sharing the way you do on your blog, and on this show is so helpful for people who are trying to figure out what to do, frankly, if they're in triage 24-7 because they're right in the middle of a new reality that's just, you know, scary, horrible, not ending, you know, not linear. It's just a circle of... um, But, but, you know... uh, the way you put it in your words, in your sharing, is so, so helpful, and I really appreciate it so much. So I guess that's what happens. Oh. I, I listen to you, and I go, wow, what a wise and caring human being you are. Well, I, I really take that in. I really appreciate that. It's very affirming, and it, it's also, uh, it is so helpful for me to be of help to others because, you know, having been there, I was just, this morning there was a, uh, a post on the Facebook page from a woman who had uh, just lost her husband, that they'd been married four years, and he, you know, 24 years old, and he died, and they have a 20-month-old and a, a child that's going to be born in August. And... I just, and my heart just goes out to this woman uh, to be, to go through that and to go and to know what it's like to have children in the midst of loss and especially that age young and, 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 and to go through their, her own grief and yet still have to hold that space of love for her children. Um, you know, the things that I have traveled through if they can be translated into a way of being of help to someone like that, someone in, in, those, in the situations that are, are of great, great pain, uh, what can I say? I mean, that that uh, I, I, I really have taken, Deborah, I've taken a lot of time and energy to go to the very depths of my sorrow. And what I find there is, I am not alone, and that I'm this woman. I wish I could just have a cup of coffee with her. I wish I could just sit with her. And just I wouldn't have to say a word because it really is about presence. It's about what we need to do for each other is just to be present and let them have their moment to just be in that hurt and hold that space for them. And it, it, this could be, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book saying perhaps this could help someone, you know, and that, that I had come through so much, and I'd come, I've also come to a place 
of peace with what I have gone through. And the book is really a reflection of that. It's not for me to find peace. It's because I have found peace that I can reflect and say, this is what we went through, and this is how we went through it. You know, there's a lot of things I wish I could change in that, uh, not the book, but in my life. But, uh, but it's all out there because it, it's just being real. And, and to touch people in those real places, there's no greater, there's no greater gift. I agree with you. Um, would you say that if someone says, uh, oh, you just need some closure, Benjamin. If you just had some closure, you wouldn't have to keep doing what you're doing. You'd just be kind of over it. It doesn't work that way yeah. for you at all. I know. No. Does he, do you think it does for anyone? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the, it depends on the individual. There may be, there are some people that, that have strong linear thinking that works for them and that they could find this is closure. I, mm-hmm. my, my, and, and so I certainly honor everybody's journey. It's that that works for you, that works for you. But what works for me, and I've reflected quite a bit on, on the idea of closure, is closure for me is not ending, it's a beginning. Closure is a moving from my being, it's, it's moving deeper into this. Maybe one layer drops into another and that could be closure. I have no idea. But I don't I think closure for me is is every ending has a beginning. And so it, my love for them has expanded and moved into different ways and realms out of out of they're not being able to hold them on anymore and not that kind of closure. I don't know how to explain it very well, but let me, let me try this. Let me take another run at it. Closure for me in this moment is being at peace with whatever comes. Closure does not create peace. Peace creates my ability to let what comes come, comes come and let what goes go. And so it is It is a fluidity. Closure to me has this mentality of something that, that is solid, that's done, and over. To me, closure is a fluidity. It is a movement of, of when something comes, when a memory comes, I let it come, and when it goes, I let it go. That's closure, you know, to me. That, that is letting go of, and, and moving on. Is not is not really moving on. It's moving in to a deeper way of relating. And everything that I go through, I am a collection of everything I that I have experienced. And so, in that experience, I'm continuing experience. And there is a, is a beginning and ending of every moment. There's closure in every moment, but it does not end there. Does that make any sense? Well, it's back to, to it, yeah. It's back to flow. It's back to that yeah. that going in the river kind of imagery, um, maybe not the raging river that I mentioned earlier, but just maybe a peaceful right. river. <laughs> Let's go yeah. with a peaceful river yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that you can move deeper and, and watch what comes and what goes, be with yeah. what comes Close- and what goes. Yeah. Closure for me, like, it's like, you know, when I say it gets different, it, it, it is the acceptance of, diff, be, you know, the, the evolution of different. 
you know, it moves. You know, some things have ended. You know, I don't cry every time I see a card from Lydia or I see a picture of Matt. I have a sense of warmth and a sense of gratitude of their being a part of my life. I, I have a, still have a sense of missing them. I have a deep longing for them. But I'm not crying, you know, as, as anymore as much or whatever. Is that closure? Does that mean... So it, it means it, it, it transformed into something different. But it, I, I don't like the word closure and with the mentality of it, something being over. Well, I, what I like about this conversation is that it's a way to define terms or put a name on something that is different or, you know, give people a way to think about how they're going through their own loss um, and that they're like, I don't know what to call it. I don't know. I don't know. Is this closure? Am I ever going to have closure? And so listening to this um, kind of gives us permission to say, you know what, like you said earlier, we're all going to do this the way we're going to do it. There is no right or wrong. There is no one that's going to judge because if they are judging, they really should not be, which is judgment on my part, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like we're all going to have to just do the best we can, but when we can hear someone like you explain from your frame of reference, having lost three people over the course of 13 years, just the worst kind of experience, um, you know, and how you are now, it's just, like I said earlier, it's just helpful. It's just really, really helpful. Um, you well, know, that- we have... Go ahead. You, you finished that thought, and then I was going to kind of wrap it up. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that that, that really is changing that whole – as long as you – another perspective is always helpful. So I, I know we need to wrap up, so maybe for another time. Well, we're, we're, we're certainly going to need to talk about that because there are just so many people who are probably grieving about the way they're grieving. In other words, they think they're doing mm-hmm. it wrong. They think that you know that there's really not going to be any healing for them because they're not doing it right. Does that make sense? I mean, I know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you, you, you nailed it there. That's what that's what I hope we can give people to say you're not doing it wrong. You know, you can't get it wrong. You can you just is this aligned with you? You grieve the way you live. You, you, it's your life. It's your loss. Don't let anyone tell you that you're doing it wrong or that that there's another way. If, if it resonates with you, do it. If it feels right. that way for you, you know, I, I didn't let anybody tell me how to grieve. I, I, I just I did it the way I, it felt right for me. Well, the other thing that I know about you is that you had a definition for you of what going the distance was for your kids mm-hmm. and for your wife and for you. And frankly, for Rachel, and um, and I think the beauty of Out of the Ashes for me is that section. Oh, there's lots of uh, the parts of the book that I just love. But Out of the Ashes, Healing in the Afterlife. Uh, if you haven't got a, a copy of it, people, you need to go to theafterloss.com, and you can find a tab for buying the book. It is truly, truly one of a kind. It, it's almost, I've said before, it reads like a novel, 
but it has so much hope and love and legacy in it, and it's all true and so poignant and touching and wonderful and horrible all at the same time. <laughs> so I just talked about your whole life. I hope you're happy about that. Yeah, there you go. That wraps it up. There. Good summation. <laughs> well, this has been a, a fast 45 minutes. I appreciate your being with me here, and um, I hope people have gotten value from it. And I just want to close, and I'll let you, of course, have a sentence here at the end, but I just want to say what I said last time that I noticed on a page, a post that you made when you answered someone uh, in the comments, and you said, our frailties find strength in our common journey. We carry each other and hold each other in tenderness. I think that is so beautiful. Thank you. And I would just like to say, Deborah, this would not be happening if it wasn't for you and for you holding this space and, and guiding us through this. And to, uh, I'm really grateful that uh, you're a part of my life and that you have, you have given so much to this work and to really opening an opportunity to help others. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you saying that, and uh, it is truly my pleasure, and I feel like, frankly, a calling. So I'm glad that we have met, and I'm glad we've had this almost hour together, and we will reconvene in a couple of weeks, and maybe next time we'll talk about catharsis. Can there even be catharsis in your paradigm? Um, I'm thinking there probably can be. So until yeah. next time. Oh, oh, <laughs> until alert. next spoiler time. <laughs> until next time when you can be cathartic with me, um, okay. please have, have a, wonderful, a wonderful day. All right? So thank you so much, and until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye.